My text today is Revelation chapter 22 and verses 3 to verses 5. I want to speak about the unveiling today and uh, there's this something that I believe the Holy Spirit is after today. It says, There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face. Now watch this, ladies and gentlemen, please. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. There shall be no lamp, nor the light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Now all that God is doing in our lives is to prepare us for these three things that are mentioned here in Revelation chapter 22. Number one, there shall be no more curse. This is the ultimate result of our redemption. Hallelujah. Number two, they shall see His face. This is the ultimate purpose of justification. And number three, they shall reign forever and ever. This is the ultimate destiny uh, for the saints. Now, let me unpack this a little bit. There shall be no longer any more curse. One of the things that's going to be completely eradicated and absent in the new Jerusalem, uh, new heavens and new earth, there will be no more curse. The curse that entered into creation as a result of Adam's transgressions will not only be completely nullified and reversed, there won't be a single trace of it any longer. There was no curse in the garden and there will come a time in the future where there will be no longer any more curse on this earth. We shall see a full execution and enforcement of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. Number two, they shall see His face. This is the ultimate longing of the human soul. It is to see the face of God and I will come to this in a few moments. And number three, they shall reign forever and ever. This is our, our eternal destiny. We shall reign as kings and as priests. And this is part of the Melchizedekian priesthood that God is preparing us for. Now allow me to focus on the second great blessing and that is we shall see His face. I don't know of anything that I desire or long for more than this. This is my one consummate desire to see His face. And I tell you this, my friends, a face-to-face -face encounter with, with the Lord is the longing of every saint, of every generation. And His purpose and His promise to us is we shall see His face. Now I know that this is a future promise, but the challenge for us is to appropriate this right now. John tells us that we shall see Him as He is. Isaiah tells us that our eyes shall behold the King in His beauty. Jesus said, if anyone loves me and keeps my commandments, uh, and he who loves me, I will manifest. I will show myself openly to him. Hallelujah. You know, it's the desire of the Lord to manifest himself. Amen. And Paul tells us that we all with unveiled faces, watch this, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. If our faces are veiled, we're unable to behold Him. And these are the key words, unveiled face. This is what I want to talk about today. How do I attain, how do we attain this posture of having an unveiled face before God? Let me illustrate this principle in the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, a blind man was brought to Jesus in the city of Bethsaida. Bethsaida was one of those privileged cities that had amazing miracles that Jesus performed. But the people rejected. They refused to believe in Jesus. And Jesus said, woe unto you, Bethsaida. If you go to Israel today, Bethsaida no longer exists. It's a pile of rubble. But Jesus takes this blind man and takes him to the outskirts of the city and proceeds to heal the man. And he makes spit and he puts it on the man's eyes. And he says, what do you see? And the man says, I see men, but they're like trees walking. And then Jesus touched his eyes a second time. Everybody say a second time. 
And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to come to us a second time and he touched to touch our eyes. And when he touched the man's eyes a second time, the Bible says that his eyes will completely heal 20-20 vision. And this is what God wants to give to us. He wants to give to us clarity of perception. He wants to give us supersized lenses to see like we have never seen before. He wants to give us the ability to intuit the future with clarity. Amen. Now, the blood, I've heard several people preach on this before. And somebody said one time, this, the, the, Jesus' faith was not perfect. Another man said, the blind man's faith was not perfect. And all that is baloney. This story is about you and this story is about me. I'm the blind man. You're the blind man. You know, before we got saved, we were blind. We were in darkness. We could not see. The kingdom of God was six inches in front of your nose. And you could not see it. You could not, you were blind. But the moment you believe, I tell you this, my friends, when you believe in your heart, something happens to your seeing mechanism. All of a sudden, your eyes begin to be illumined and you start to see like you've never seen before. And all of a sudden, these spiritual realities become a reality to you. Hallelujah. But it starts with believing. Hallelujah. The moment you believe, something happens. Now, that's the nature of revelation. The nature of revelation is one moment you don't see Bam, and the next moment you do. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? One of them said Elijah. One of them said John the Baptist. Another one said Jeremiah. But he said, who do you say uh, that I am? And all of a sudden, Simon Peter gets the revelation. He says, I know who you are. You're not from this earth, are you? He says, you're the son of the living God. You're the Christ. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. The reason why you believe in Jesus is because the Father has revealed him to you. Amen. Amen. And the moment, that's the nature of revelation. One moment you don't see, and the next moment you see. Hallelujah. And you know this, this and we're like the blind man, you know. When we got saved, many of us, we start to see, but we see partially. We see men as trees walking. And that should precipitate a cry within us. I don't want to live in darkness any longer. I don't want to live in partial sight. I want the Lord to open my eyes. Hallelujah. I want God to touch my eyes a second time. And I want Him to give me clarity of perception. Amen. The ability to intuit the future. And, and because God operates with optical precision. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody. You know, the more sound you make, the better I preach. Hallelujah. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit concerned about Cornerstone. The, the level of noise has been dropping Quite a bit in this church. Isaiah 25 and verse 7. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering, cast over all the people and the veil. Listen, watch this. The veil that is spread over all the nations. What is a veil? Basically, it is an obstructed vision. It's a covering. The first thing you'll have to understand about veils is there is a massive veil over the nations, my friends. And it's one thing, and it's the one thing that prevents people from believing the gospel. Now, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it's because the veil over your eyes have been removed. Amen. Trust me, the veil is still there. You will not see, neither will you understand. And this veil over the nations blinds the inhabitants of the earth and prevents them from seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They cannot see because they're blind and they're blind because the God of this world has blinded them. And the way he, the way he does that is by putting a veil over their eyes. Now, if you recall, Paul was on the road to Damascus and his experience, he was blinded for three days. On the third day, a man called Ananias came to the house 
and said, and laid hands on Paul and said, Paul, start to see, amen. And the Bible says, scales fell from his eyes. That is the unveiling. That's what needs to happen to us. Scales must fall from our eyes. Now, when you share the gospel with people, you must begin with the premise that the person you're talking to is blind. They cannot see because their eyes are veiled. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 3 to 4. Even if thou gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded, washes, blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the, of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Don't you just love that? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now, when a church like Cornerstone begins to understand spiritual realities. When we begin to understand how this all works, we be, and we begin to rise up and intercede and pray, understand that corporately, we can actually punch a hole in the surface covering over our community, over our family, over our communities, amen. When that veil over our community is weakened or removed, what do you call that, religion? What do you call that? You call that an open heaven, hallelujah, amen. You call that an open heaven. Once the veil is removed, there is no longer hindrance and the result is you have uninterrupted flow of revelation and life and all of a sudden people in our neighborhood are awakened. They begin to see, people begin to turn to the Lord easily. What do you call that? Revival, hallelujah. It's an awakening of the Holy Ghost. And trust me, my friends, this is my 33rd year in full-time ministry. It's so much easier to operate under an open heaven than it is to operate under a closed heaven. Amen. Oh, I tell you this, my friends, there's a prophetic longing for the veil between heaven and earth to be torn. Amen. The cry of the prophet, oh, rend the heavens and come down. Hallelujah. Amen. The first mention of a veil in the Old Testament was the veil that was placed over Moses' face. If you recall, Moses descended from Mount Sinai and the skin of his face shone because he'd been in the presence of the Almighty God. When the people saw him, they were afraid. And so Moses had to veil his face to keep the people from beholding the glory that was radiating from his countenance. And whenever Moses entered the tabernacle to speak with God, he would unveil his face. Now the whole picture of that veil over Moses' face was to conceal the light of the glory of the gospel from the people. And that's exactly what Paul was referring to here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, this veil over Moses' face was a prophetic picture of the blindness that would come upon the Jewish people. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let me read this to you. Till this day, till this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Torah or the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. When the Jewish people read their Old Testament, their eyes are veiled from seeing the truth and the glory of God. And it's still here. Thousands of years later, they can't see Jesus is the Messiah with all the evidence. You know, this, that up till today, they don't read Isaiah 53 in their synagogues, which is the most significant messianic verse in all of the Old Testament. You go to Israel today. Pastor Steve is here. He will tell you. A tiny percentage of the Jewish people are Messianic. Anywhere between 10 to 20,000 people. And that's a drop in a bucket when you consider there's 9 million Israelites living in Israel today. Why is that so? Why is that so? Because there is a veil over the nation. And why is there a veil over the nation? It's because of our sakes, hallelujah. It's because of our sakes that the blindness in part has come upon the Jewish people. 
so that we Gentiles can come into the kingdom. But I'll tell you this, my friends, that the last Gentile believer, when he walks through the door, the door to the Gentiles will close. And the Lord says, then all of Israel shall be saved. Come on, hallelujah. All of Israel shall be saved. Woo, hallelujah. It's coming, my friends. The second mention of a veil was, was the veil in the tabernacle of Moses. God had promised to dwell with his people Israel, but he dwelt within the veil. Now somebody has got to keep the time for me, please. He, he, he says, I will dwell within the veil. In the veil in the tabernacle was to prevent the people from entering into the Holy of Holies. That veil was in essence God's mercy protecting the sin-tainted congregation from God's holiness and judgments. But the veil did not just kept, kept people out. It kept God boxed in. And God was longing for His people. I tell you this, my friends. He's longing for His people to come into His presence and to behold His glory and His face. He wants His face to be seen. That's why we say in the ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance. My friends, this blessing is an expression of God's desire. He wants His face. He wants His covenant countenance to be shining upon His people. It's always been His desire to reveal Himself. Ezekiel says uh, in 39, says, I will hide my face no longer from them. I will hide my face no longer from them. When Jesus died on the cross, what was God's first judicial act? He tore the veil from, in the temple from top to bottom. Actually, it was more, a veil, more than a veil. It was a carpet wall. It was nine inches thick. I mean, no human could rip that veil apart. That ornate curtain was a wall of separation from the holy place and the most holy of holies, which housed the Ark of the Covenant. That was the first thing God did. And it tells us a lot about what God desired. He wanted a people to draw near to Him. Now, when David was king, he erected what was called the Tabernacle of David on Zion. There was no veil in the tent because David had a revelation of God, what God wanted. David knew what God desired because he was a man after God's heart. Now in the tabernacle of David, the congregation of Israel could behold the ark of the presence and not die. And not die. And this is mind-boggling that God would expose himself to the people and they would see him and they would not die. And this is so New Testament. Hallelujah. Woo. He wants His glory to be messed God doesn't want to hide behind a veil any longer. He doesn't want to hide from you. He doesn't want to hide from you. And that's why God is going to raise up again the tabernacle of David. Not the tabernacle of Moses. Not the temple. The tabernacle of David. Amos chapter 9 verse 3. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repaired its damages. Hallelujah. What does that tell us? He tells us he wants his glory to be seen. He's longing for that. I think three times in the Bible, as long as, as I live, says the Lord, he swore to himself. He swore to himself. He says, I, Israel, you don't want my glory, but as long as I live, the day will come. All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the knowledge of God. Amen. Now, of course, you know, in the Old Testament, the ark was not visible to the people. Only the high priest once a year on the day of atonement could enter in, behold the ark, sprinkle the blood, the veil kept people from beholding the glory. Now I say all of that as sort of a preamble to bring you to this concluding remarks. And this concluding remarks will take a few minutes. Right? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 to 25. Watch this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through his veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews chapter 10 deals primarily with the new and living way into the Holy of Holies. If I could summarize the Christian journey, it is to enter in and live within the veil. The sad thing is many of us are just content to have a relationship with God in the outer courts. Some of us, I guess, press in into the holy place, the servants of the Lord. But the destination is within the veil. It is there that with an unveiled face, we behold His glory. Now in the Old Testament, I mentioned that the veil separated the people from the Shekinah glory, indicating that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet open for the rest of the people of Israel because the bull, the blood of bulls and goats is insufficient to take away our sins. There was no sacrifice in the Old Testament that was great enough to remove our sins and to allow us to enter in. But the moment Jesus died on the cross and He gave up the ghost, what was the first thing that happened? That veil was rent from top to bottom. I tell you, God waited a long time to do this. Why? Because He wanted to open a way for His people to come in. Hallelujah. Come on. Jesus did not just die on the cross to forgive our sins. He died on the cross so that we could know His Father. Man, I'm preaching so much better than you're responding, you know. Shandaraba. The truth of the matter is only a small percentage of Christians actually ever experience the reality of entering in. Brother Bailey shared with me on several occasions how he had that amazing experience. He was a younger pastor and the Lord would speak to him and the Lord would say, will you give this up? Will you give that up? Will you give this up? He said, some things were easy, some things needed grace. But finally the Lord says, will you surrender your wife to me? And he knew exactly what the Lord was asking. He said, I'm sorry, I cannot give my wife to you. I cannot offer her at the altar. And the Lord, he said to me, he said, Pastor Young, the Lord was, he was, he was, he was not angry. He just smiled and he walked away. He said a few days later, he was in a meeting. There was an altar call. And the Lord said, I want you to go up and be prayed for. The man prayed for him. Brother Bailey fell to the ground. And while he was on the ground, he said, I was pinned to the ground. I couldn't move. I, I was paralyzed. And the Holy Spirit came and says, who loves your wife more, you or me? He said, you, Lord. Who has the greater power, you or me? He says, when you're on the floor and you're paralyzed, you can't argue with God. He says, if I'm the one with the greater power, why don't you give your wife to me? And he found the grace at that moment to say, Lord, I surrender her to you. In the next few days, he said he was in a study praying and the Spirit of God came and he said, I, I was taken into a vision and I saw the crucifixion. I saw the, the, the body of Jesus from the backside of the cross, you know, the Lord will not show you, I think, the, the frontal because he was completely naked on the cross. And he said, I saw him and he said, my spirit went into him. I was hanging on the cross with him. I saw the people mocking uh, the Jesus and he said, I could feel the heart of Jesus for these people. He had nothing but compassion and love for the people that were crucifying him. And then out of his innermost beings came the scripture, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live, now I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave his life for me. And then he said, I, he said to me, I saw the temple, I saw the veil rent from top to bottom and I understood something about the crucified life. That is the veil. When the veil is rent, that's when you're crucified with Christ. Reese Howells talked about how the moment he surrendered all and entered into the veil and had fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Evan Roberts talked about the experiences of God within the veil and was so holy he never recorded it. 
George Mueller, George Mueller talked about the day he died to the world. Charles Finney, Smith Wigglesworth, Catherine Kuhlman, all had the same experience. There is a place where God, through the power of the Holy Ghost, reigns supreme in our lives. I can go on and on and on about how these overcomers knew the moment they died to the world, the moment they died to sin, and how they entered into a realm where so few of us know about. And that's a crying shame because Jesus died to bring us all in. All of us. How do you enter the veil, my friends? The moment Jesus gave up the ghost, the veil was ran from top to bottom. The million dollar question to ask is, do you want to enter in? As we come to the end of one, one more year, my question to you is, do you want something more in 2023? Are you willing to pay the price? Not just to enter the veil, but live within the veil in that unseen realm of the kingdom because everything starts with desire. Everything in the kingdom of God starts with desire. Do you want this? Do you want this, Cornerstone? Do you want to live within the veil? Or do you want to still continue your life the way you have continued? I'm 63. I just turned 63 a couple of weeks ago. And I tell you this, my friends. I've, I've, more, I've lived more yesterdays than I have tomorrows. I don't have many time, much time left. My clock is ticking. And I know that one day I'll stand before the very judgment throne of God where He's going to look at my life. And I want to make every moment count for Him. I want to make every moment count for Him and live my life for His glory. Hallelujah. Amen. The question is, do you want this, my friends? Because the moment we are crucified, co-crucified with Christ, at that very moment, the veil is ripped from top to bottom for you. You, personally. You've got to personalize this. It's not just the veil over your face has been removed so that you can understand. Now there's something even greater because God is inviting you into the very council of the Trinity. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm tired just preaching. <laughs> when we first got safe, we were immature, unstable, needy, and yes, carnal. We stumble into sin, repent. The Lord is so gracious, forgives us. Happens again and again and again, sometimes years, sometimes decades. And we get discouraged because we think, how can I overcome this? My flesh, the truth is you can't. That's why Jesus came. And the Lord does not want to leave us in this unstable condition one day up, one day down. He wants you to know that you can have total victory. You can totally subjugate that sinful nature once and for by His grace because His grace is sufficient for you. If this is not, imposs if this is not possible, then I'm wasting my time being your pastor. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time. If this is not possible, that we can come to a place in Christ where we don't ever have to fall into sin. Now, I'm not saying that we're sinless. No, sir. All I'm saying is that we can come into a place where we are in union with Christ. Amen. That's the word that was given to me this, this year. Pastor, union is what God wants with you. And this is, this, this is the burning desire in my heart. Now, you understand, I cannot crucify myself. Only God can do this. Amen. I can, I can deal with the old nature. Only Jesus can deal. Read Romans chapter 6. That old man, hallelujah, was crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. There was a university lecture one time and a preacher was, the lecturer was teaching and uh, he said, there's no such thing as a new revelation. And a, a student raised up his hands and says, I have a new revelation. I knew 
one of the one of the two thieves that were crucified on the cross. I knew who I know who his name was. That's a new revelation. And the preacher says, "What's his name?" He says, "His name was he was uh, Paul's father." He says, "How do you know he was Paul's father?" Because Paul said, "My old man was crucified with Christ." Hallelujah. The Lord wants to deal with every sinful nature in our lives. What, we, what they are, only He knows. And if we will say to God, Lord, I'm willing. Every time He puts a finger on your, your, your life, say to Him, I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing. Will you stop watching Netflix? Yes, sir, I'm willing. Will you stop drinking alcohol? Will you get up early morning to pray? How many times have I preached over this pulpit? God telling you, get up early to pray. Get up early to pray. How many of you are doing it? So don't be doers, just listeners of the word. Be doers, amen. How many times have I told you, have communion every day? How many of you are doing it? I'm, I'm, gonna be ir- I'm not going to be responsible for you, right? On the day of judgment. You, you better answer your fear. Because I've told you what to do. I've told you what to do. <laughs> Remember Gethsemane? Jesus had to lay his own will down. It was a real struggle. He was, he was, blood was coming out of his foreheads. And he was struggling. He says, oh God, if this cup can pass for me, please let it be. Let it pass. And, and he struggled. And finally he said, not my will, but my, thy will be done. And sometimes we have to go through some things like that. You know, this whole struggle of acquiescing a will to God. But if you're willing, God can make, listen. If, if you say, Lord, I'm willing, then he can make you willing to be willing. Hallelujah. There are things I know we struggle to give up. And the Lord says, are you willing to allow me to do something in your heart? Amen? And this has to be personalized for every one of us. I'm just going to close right now. I'm looking at the time. And I'm going to close with one of the ways. There are several ways that a veil can come over our lives. Sin is one. Unbelief is another. But the third one is very important. I want to share this with you. It's, it's people that you're hanging out with. And maybe you've got to decide that in 2023, there are some people that you need to cut away from your life because they're not good for you. When Abraham came out of the earth of the Chaldeans, he brought along his nephew Lot. He should have never done that. And the Lord instructed Abraham very clearly he was to come out alone. The name Lot means veil. Veil. And as long as Lot remained with Abraham, there was a veil over Abraham's life. And when there's a veil over your life, you don't see with clarity. But look at Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lord had separated from him, after Lord had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look to the place where you are, northward, eastward, southward, westward, for all the land which you see, see, I will give to you and your descendants. The moment Lord separated from Abraham, the veil that was over Abraham's life was lifted and he saw the vision. Hallelujah. Tell you this, my friends, some friends that you have, you've got to cut them out from the book of life. Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to see him face to face? I don't want to have a relationship with God in the outer courts, man. Even in the holy place. And that was a promise that was given to Cornerstone. That God was calling us into the holy place. And I know many of us are going to be dwelling there. But I'm telling you there's something even greater than being in the holy place. And it's going through the veil and living in his glory. Amen. Before I close, I want to pray. 
Um, Cindy Jacobs just recently gave a word, and uh, this was sent to me by one of my church members. She said, World War III is going to take place in the near future, but the word of the Lord is it can be delayed. Prayer teams have independently planned trips to Taiwan and Wales to the Bible College of Wales. Now, this is in a blog. And the college where Mr. Reese Howells founded and prayed during the war years. While an, an intercessory team was at the Bible College of Wales, a bomb fell accidentally into Poland. Remember that? And it was almost a spark for World War III. Did you know that? Did you know that? That when the bomb exploded in, in uh, Poland early this year, they were at the brink of a, another world war. But the team in the Bible college prayed and the news that they got was war delayed. Hallelujah. Shandaraba. I tell you, prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. And at the Bible College of Wales, God is doing something. He's doing something. He's raising a, a prayer company of people. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand, please. I want to close in prayer. I'm not going to give an altar call because we don't have time for it. But I would like to just close in prayer. How many of you just by the show of your hands say, Pastor, as I cross into 2023, I want God to unveil my eyes. I want God to give you, me a clarity of perception. I want God to give me supersized lenses. I want God to give me the ability to intuit the future Clear, clearly. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I love you with all my heart, Jesus. Shikara, you are the wonder. You are the joy of heaven. The more the bright and morning star. You are the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Rose of Sharon, hallelujah. You're the lily of the valleys, the fairest of 10,000, the darling of heaven, hallelujah. The lamb and the lion, hallelujah. Shondaraba, the savior, the healer, the redeemer, hallelujah, shaka. Oh, I love you, Jesus, with all my heart. Come on, lift up your hands just for a few moments. Tell him, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Lord, in Jesus' name, let eyes be open in this place. Eyes be open. Eyes be open. Eyes, eyes be open. Shaba. Shatarababa. Shakaraba. Handaraba. Shokoraba. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.